and welcome to another episode of the Mac and D podcast. How are you doing, Jimmy D? I'm doing great, man. I'm on the, the precipice of an extended weekend, a little bachelor party going to the Ozarks. So, I'm, you know, just getting a couple of recordings in here and then ready to go. Yeah, you're just having the shortest weekend ever after Labor Day on the front end and then your trip on the back end. Do you actually work? Yeah. Like, I feel like this might be your full time. I did, I, yeah, because I, I put in some hours on Monday to make up for the fact I was leaving Thursday. So I, I did get at least a three day work weekend and I probably will do a little bit tomorrow as well. It's just just kind of busy right now. Nice. Did you do any grilling? You're the meat master of this podcast. I did not do any grilling. It was so rainy over this past weekend that I just kind of had normal uh meal prep type days not nothing too crazy unfortunately yeah i gotta stay on that grind set with the health stuff i uh exactly. i did the complete opposite i had a fuck ton of beignets whenever i was in louisiana probably gained like 30 pounds while i was down there and uh, i accidentally walked into the craziest game i've ever seen it was lsu versus florida state in the sugar dome and the the, the people are weird the game was weird it had two muffed punts and two missed kicks um, basically, and, and plus fumbles on top of that. Basically, what happened is uh, Florida State recovered a muff punt, went all the way down to the goal line, fumbled it. LSU had enough time to go the length of the field to tie the game. They went all the way down, scored a last-second touchdown after looking anemic all game, maybe had like 100 yards total yards, and then scored the game-tying touchdown, but they needed the extra point. I don't know what was up with it. I, I watched some analysis later on about offensive line play on field goals, and they just like didn't block some of the people on the defensive line. And Florida State went right through the line, tipped the kick, and the game was over. And the- yeah, I, I saw an analysis on it. I guess um, Kelly said that um, they they didn't block it for the first. He felt like the blocking was bad the first time that a field goal blocked. So he changed up who was on the left side of the line, and that person let the the rusher undercut him so he kind of just came straight across his face no you know like through the inside gap so he just had a free run at the uh at the kicker on the extra point and blocked it so yeah it's pretty much a a a proverbial what not to do on special teams yeah it's a weird one bill belichick would not have let that stand but yeah brian kelly was about ready to get run out of town um the florida state fans were not being overly classy no offense to anyone who's a florida state fan they were doing the tomahawk chop the entire time afterwards and uh, even during the game they were completely unhinged there was this guy who was right in front of me and he was texting his wife an apology for accidentally cheating on her. And I'm like, I don't know how you accidentally cheat on someone, but sure. And he was sitting there trying to type out intentionally at the end. He was like, I didn't mean to cheat on you. I didn't do it intentionally. And he was absolutely dying trying to make it happen. He was spelling it with an E. He was making it way too short. No double L at the end, nothing. And so he finally settled on on purpose. And he had his text on like 100. So I saw the whole thing go down. And it was so funny. So, yeah, so I think the, the big takeaway from that story and just from this weekend is college football's back. So what an <laughs> exciting way to do it. It's so weird, man. And speaking of college football being back, we got some really good recent news about Sam Hartman, the Wake Forest quarterback. He was one of the best quarterbacks last Last year and then he had a really strange blood clot off the field issue um, medical issue and ended up missing their first game but he's gonna be back this week um, it's definitely news but not the biggest story he's gonna be back and we're really excited for him you never like to see those like John Mechie cancer kind of situations so really excited for him to be back 
Um, yeah, oh, sorry. yeah, you're good. You got it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not, nothing more to not analyze. I mean, Wake Forest yeah. definitely has a chance. So next, going into some NFL news, uh, Dawson Knox got an extension today uh, that supplanted yeah. him as one of the top tight ends in the league. So did, did the number finally come out? I saw it was rumored to be a top five tight end contract, but I never saw an actual figure with it. I saw I, I saw it was expected to sign after practice. So whenever the Bills have practice, I don't, I don't know. But I saw four years, 53 and a half million. So definitely top, right. top five quarterback money or top five tight end money. So it's definitely interesting paying a tight end that isn't absolutely elite. Like the Lions did that a few years ago with Jesse James and like that completely failed. So it's an interesting one. I, I don't know how it'll pay off, but he definitely played super well and played through injury last year. So he definitely deserves it. How do you feel about tight end contracts? Because to me, I feel like they're grossly underpaid. When you've got elite tight ends that produce oh, the way a wide receiver one would, plus they have blocking duties. I, I feel like those guys just do not get enough money for what they mean to an offense. Yeah, I fully agree. And there's a lot of guys like Rob Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey that play into their 30s. So it's not like they're running backs where they completely fall off by 27. I definitely think they should be paid more. And um, there, there's a lot of guys that seemingly just like aren't getting the full amount. Like Mike Kosicki is getting like 10 million on his tight end tag. And it's like, what? Like your top tight end. How is the franchise tag only 10 million when the franchise tag yeah. for other positions is like 20 some million. So it's really weird. Well, I mean like to highlight too. So when you talk about Gronk, like he, always, he was always on like a 10 million a year, but not really a guaranteed type contract just due to his injury history. But I mean, he's a dude that was, you know, in his prime, uncoverable in, in any one-on-one situation. But also the Patriots would leave him in one-on-one blocking against, like, the Nick Boses of the world. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, I mean, you know, a left tackle would make way more than that. A wide receiver that could get 160 yards a game just at will the way Gronk could would get way more than that. But for some reason, it's like, oh, you're a tight end. Let's pay you half as much. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Like, you don't really look at counting stats for, like, a left tackle, but for, like, a receiving option, a catching option, like a tight end, you do. And so I feel like they kind of get put in this weird in-between that they don't really fully deserve. So justice for tight ends. Let's get them a year. Justice for tight ends, exactly. (laughs) Uh, We're going to roll through some of this other news. So Harold Landry, the pass rusher for the Tennessee Titans, tore his ACL over this past week. Um, Really unfortunate for the Titans. He had 12 sacks as a pro bowler last year. Um, really hate to see that for him. Definitely just feeds into more and more of our downside for the Tennessee Titans this upcoming year. I don't think either of us really like the Titans that much. Um, Zach Wilson is officially out for four weeks for the New York Jets, as expected. It's Joe Flacco time. It's Joe Flacco right. time. The dragon season. <laughs> I cannot wait to see the elite quarterback play. Uh, Russell Wilson got the bag. I uh, got $250 million from the Denver Broncos. Um, it's an extension after this offseason trade. So overpaid or underpaid, Jimmy D? Well, it's unfortunate to see that he didn't have enough sexual assault allegations to get fully guaranteed, but he did uh, get one hell of a contract, so kudos to him there. Um, I'd say probably accurately paid. I mean, every time a quarterback signs a contract, you know, when you're in the, the actual elite category, not the Joe, the Joe Flacco elite category, um, you just kind of, you know, get the bag and, and that's what happened. He's, he's still at the age where I think at the extent of it is because it's, it's like two years, it's really front loaded to where the back end isn't anything necessary. It's like kind of set up for them to restructure it if he plays well these next two years. So I think the, the contract makes sense for both him and for the Broncos. It makes sense because they have that new ownership. They wanted to hurry up and, actually lock in a franchise quarterback so it's i think it's a lot of positive for broncos fans to see that the new ownership uh really gets in they're, they're trying to make this a competitive team 
Fully agree. And because Wilson's really not that old yet, and with how quarterbacks play later and later into their 30s, or in Tom Brady's He doesn't take hits, so like yeah. I, I feel okay with him. Like His arm's good still. You know, He still has that zip on the ball, and he's, he's really good about it. Even when he scrambles, he gets down or gets out of bounds. Yeah, we're recording this on a Wednesday. I don't know if you saw this, Jimmy D, but there's an article that came out about the dysfunction within the Seahawks front office. And they basically said the only person, the only team that they'd be willing to trade Wilson to was the Denver Broncos because Drew Locke was their guy, and now he's not even starting. So I feel like it was an absolute fleece for the Broncos to get a Hall of Fame-level quarterback. So good for them, honestly. Lock up your guy. Yeah, because that trade, I think, could it could be a case study for just what not to do when you have a valuable asset. But Yeah, truly. It, it's it's over. Go, you know, go, go Broncos. Let's ride. Yeah, let's see what happens. Uh, I don't think this is actual news. Uh, I'm curious your take. Jalen Rager got traded to the Minnesota Vikings. The comedy value is funny because they took Justin Jefferson instead of Jalen Rager in that draft. And now they're on the same team. Do you think this is going to affect anything fantasy-wise? Did Rager got drafted before Jefferson, right? Didn't the Eagles have... Okay, so... Yeah, I think that's what really adds to the, to the comedic value of it. Raider's definitely an, an athlete, so it's no risk for the Vikings as far as just, hey, let's see if we can kick the tires here and, you know, got a new offense. Everything's kind of revamping over here. Let's figure it out. I think Eagles fans are just happy to get him off the team. Uh, you know, there's unfortunately nothing positive there, but this is really a non-starter. It's just kind of the classic need to change, change of scenery, has no value to one team why not throw a sixth or seventh round pick to see if you can't get something out of him? Yeah. It's always shocking to see a first round wide receiver fail, especially someone like him coming out of TCU where he was really, really quality. But the only thing we'll remember him for in Philly is just getting in fights with fans on their DMs. So. <laughs> on, on <teams. laughs> well, I, I think it goes to show though, right? Like GMs are starting to understand, I think better understand the, the true value of draft picks. Cause there was a while there where it was like, People weren't willing to trade a ton of draft picks. You know, they really just overvalued number one overall, or not overall, but like first round picks. It's like you're starting to see, you know, the Rams showing like, hey, we'll take the guaranteed talent. We don't really give a shit about this pick. Like, we're, we'll send it out and get someone that we know can play. And and I guess you know, to on the reverse side of it, you know, like the Josh Rosen trade. So it wasn't like, oh, we spent a first round pick. Like, we got to keep him on for three years and hope it works out. Like, you know, the Cardinals were willing to cut bait. The Eagles here willing to cut bait. The Patriots willing to cut bait with some first round picks. Like I think teams are starting to realize, like unless contractually you need to keep someone on your team, it it's it's starting to make more sense to just get you know the talent that you need on your roster in there. If you miss on a pick, you miss on the pick. Don't compound it and, and make it worse by holding on to someone that's not helping you. Yeah, not to turn this into a huge uh, discussion on it, but I think the Rams are really embracing the fact that like it's a sunk cost. They're also realizing that if you're good enough, that first round pick is almost more like a second round pick because a lot of those picks are going to the Lions for Matthew Stafford. And like they're basically second round picks because they keep freaking winning. And then on top of that, I think they do a really smart thing that Bill Belichick did when it, throughout their really height of their dynasty years where they would trade like a second round pick or a third round pick for multiple fourths or multiple fifths. And you get more bites at the apple that way, more opportunities, more lottery tickets. And I think that's a really smart way to build out your team. If you realize that you can draft later in those rounds and still get quality depth. And so it's not like your cupboard is completely bare after your starters, your stars that you're trading the first round picks for. Um, moving on, other interesting uh, camp news. Trey Sermon of the San Francisco 49ers got cut. Uh, one, how does this affect the 49ers running back room? And two, do you think Trey Sermon will catch on anywhere else? 
I could see him getting a chance because he's young. He was kind of, you know, a highly sought after pick. Um, I th- actually, I think the Eagles already signed him, didn't they? Or, or something like that. Oh, did they already? Okay, I didn't see that. I, I thought so, but I could be wrong there. Uh, I think this just means, you know, Elijah Mitchell, you got to feel pretty good if you have him on your team. And then uh, Jeff Wilson, right, is their rookie. So uh, it's kind of Jeff Wilson season. It gives you a chance. It's like you're, you know, if you're – League is already drafted and you don't love your backup running backs. He might be worth like beating that week one waiver rush to get him. So like it, it might be the time to grab someone like that. He's, you know, a, a legitimate second option on his team and just no one really knows who he is yet. Yeah, truly. Trey Sermon was a third round pick out of Ohio State. They apparently called him that the John Lynch, their GM uh, with the San Francisco 49ers, called Trey Sermon their most impressive player during the preseason camp, summer, all of that. So the fact that he got cut, it shows some level of like... It was weird. Something was off there. It's got to be character issues or there's just a weird Kyle Shanahan, Trey Sherman rift. Um, but yeah, I fully agree. Elijah Mitchell is going to be looking better. Tyrion Davis-Price suddenly has value as their third um, their third option. And so I think that this is gives us good clarity. Um, but I, I wouldn't necessarily pick up Trey Sermon yet. But I also, if you have him in Dynasty and you have deep rosters, I wouldn't cut him yet because I could see him jumping on and getting into a situation where he's not rifting with somebody out there. So uh, other news, your boy, Mitch Trubisky, quarterback one. Yeah, this, and, this isn't even news. We, we knew it was going to happen. The writing was on the wall. He's just too talented to not be QB1. Yeah. So, uh, but, but in all honesty, I, th- I think it's pretty obvious from the, from the onset. He was going to at least start the first month of the season. So now it's really his job to lose. Um, with Kenny Pickett being a, a Pittsburgh guy, you know, the second the Steelers show any – any signs of, of faltering or, you know, if the quarterback position is shaky, they're going to be calling for the rookie. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. This this is one, the very first year since 2017, no rookies are going to be starting week one at quarterback. So that's really weird. Um, two, they've kept Mason Rudolph as their third string quarterback. And he has a very hefty price tag at this point. He's a little further along in his contract. So it's really interesting that they decide to keep three quarterbacks, especially at that price tag. And then, yeah, Kenny Pickett isn't going to start. So a lot of people are projecting like week four against the New York Jets for him. So we'll see what Mr. Biscay can do. But it'll be really funny if Mr. Biscay just goes out and balls and makes them have a really weird situation where it's like, we need to start the young guy that we just spent a first round pick on, but also Mr. Biscay's playing at a Pro Bowl level again. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, well, this is the element where it's like, it's great to have Mike Tomlin as your coach because, I mean, you can question it a little bit, but really the buck stops with Tomlin. So. He's going to put the guy out there that has the best opportunity to make the Steelers win. So obviously, if he thinks it's Mitch, I, I think he's he gets the benefit of the doubt. People are like, all right, if, if Mike says so, then that's who's going to give us the best chance to win. Yeah, they got a great coaching situation. The offensive line suspect, but the rest of the roster is really solid. So we'll see what happens. Another Pittsburgh guy that was in the news this week was Emmanuel Sanders, uh, the wide receiver. He officially retired this past weekend. Um, just wanted to give a little shout out, a little ode to Emmanuel Sanders. He was definitely a great fantasy player, a great real life player, and was part of that Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver factory. So um, shout out to a good career for Emmanuel Sanders. Do you have any good Emmanuel Sanders stories, memories, fantasy matchups? Not not really. I mean, he was always on teams I didn't like, so I, I don't have fond memories or anything. I mean, he's a Steeler, so I wasn't a huge fan. He was a Bronco, so I wasn't a huge fan. Yeah. Like, he was a Saint. I mean, a lot of – he was a Bill. Like, like, all these teams that I've just never really cheered for. So, yeah. he's obviously a great player. Um, glad he retired as a Bronco. I think that that makes sense. That's kind of his best years were with the Broncos. But, 
uh, just a classic case of the Steelers drafting receiver and, and hitting and the draft on receiver. Yeah, I'll, I'm always thankful that Jimmy G overthrew him in that Super Bowl, so they didn't end up beating the Chiefs, so fun. Uh, transitioning to other sports, there are some other interesting things in the news. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, the shooting guard for the Utah Jazz, officially got traded. The rebuild is on for Utah. Uh, they got multiple first-round picks, multiple pick swaps, multiple young players that are kind of intriguing, but also like probably just going to be a rehabilitation project, and then they're going to ship those guys elsewhere. And the Cavs end up getting the real prize in the entire trade, which is Donovan Mitchell. And they have a fairly stacked lineup. So what do you think of this trade, Jimmy D? Yeah, I think it was good for the Cavs. I don't know. I don't know how well positioned the Cavs are to be a contender, but at least they're trying, which is good to see. Um, I, you know, the, the NBA is so vastly different from the NFL where it's like, it doesn't really matter what you give up. If you get the best player, you win the trade in the NBA. So it's, I think from that you know standpoint alone, the, the Cavs won the trade. Um, picks are just so finicky in the NBA that if it's not one through three, it, it's a crapshoot after that. Uh, so, I, you know, I think good on the Cavs, they're, they're going for it rough for Donovan Mitchell if he has to get shipped to Cleveland and didn't want to be in the town of Cleveland. But, you know, that's that's the life of, a, of an uh, NBA athlete, I guess. Yeah, I hope he enjoys going to the one Italian restaurant and the 7-Eleven down the street because Cleveland's boring as hell. Uh, yeah, I honestly think that the Cavs could end up contending sooner rather than later. And kind of like we talked about the Rams a little bit earlier in the pod, I feel like those picks that the Jazz get may not end up being that valuable. Um, I feel like Evan Mobley is almost like a generational type big. And so it kind of gives me like Tim Duncan in the 90s vibes, you know, where like this guy is so good. He's just going to make those picks so invaluable and the Jazz are going to end up kind of getting nothing out of it. So their starting lineup is now going to be Garland. It's going to be Mitchell. It's going to be Isaac Isaac Okoro, their fifth overall pick from a couple of years ago. Evan Mobley as like a small ball kind of big and then Jarrett Allen at center. So very stacked starting five. Karis LeVert's coming off the bench, so the cupboard's not bare there. Uh, honestly, really impressive given just like two years ago, the Cavaliers were like picking at the very top of the draft year after year. So uh, definitely studs, stars and studs all the way across that roster. So I think they'll be a contending team. We'll definitely do over-unders for the NBA later, but it was a fun trade. So interesting stuff. And then the last thing that we want to go over news-wise, our full host watch. What's the vibe in St. Louis right now, Jimmy D? What are people feeling with him up to six? I mean, it's the same, man. We're just everyone's pulling for Albert. He's at six ninety five. He needs what two more to tie A Rod or two more to pass A Rod? I think it's tie, right? A Rod's at six ninety six. If I read it, okay. So right. two more to pass A Rod. I think, like I said before, everyone in MLB wants that to happen. No one likes A Rod except A Rod and J Lo. So <laughs> come on, Albert. Like you got it, bud. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting. There's, what, like 30 or so games left, so he's got to do like one home run every six games or so. I think it's totally in the cards that he gets a 700. I really hope he does. So Nothing new new there, but it's definitely – we got to keep up the watch. You know, gotta keep you got to keep it. Yeah, we got to keep it going. It's like counting down the days to speak it, Speak it into existence. Exactly, exactly. So uh, we have a great pod coming up for you all. We're going to go over uh, college games this week. We're going to go over fantasy matchups, some daily fantasy people to target. And then lastly, we're going to be doing some guessing the lines at the end, which should be pretty entertaining for you all. So real quick, we're going to take a commercial break, and we'll be right back. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by the student email, the trusty student email address, full of unread emails from your undergrad days and your go-to junk box for that website that you don't fully 100% trust. It's always there for you. 
unlike your friends who told you they'd pick you up at 7 p.m., but now it's 8.23 and they're not picking up their phone and you're not sure if you just should just call it a night or wait it out. Oh, and the student discounts. Still getting student discounts is nice. Thanks again to your old student email for being all reliable and sponsoring today's pod. Let's get back to the second half of the pod. And we're back. So we're going to start with college games this week that are intriguing to us. So you watched some college football this weekend, Jimmy D. You grinded the tape. What did you think of college week one? I I had a great time catching up on, on all the games. So th- the way I do it is if, I, if I'm not able to, to see them live, I love the, just the game recaps. Not the ones that are just highlights, but more so the like every play chopped together without you know sitting and watching the play clock drop down. So the, the main games I watched were Utah-Florida, which was a fantastic game. I watched Notre Dame-Ohio State, which was, I think Ohio State won by more than the scoreboard shows because like just watching that game, you could tell it was Notre Dame somehow hanging out around with a team that's clearly better than them. But kudos to Notre Dame for at least staying in that game. I watched the LSU-Florida uh, State game, which was insane. I don't even know what was going on there. I watched the illinois um Illinois Indiana game which was miserable but I'm pretty used to it I'm very very calloused as a, an Illinois fan I understand what you know what it's all about um and then I watched the Georgia Oregon Oregon yeah. game expecting a lot more you told me it was a crazy or no my, my buddy said hey watch the highlights this game's insane and I was like okay and then I'm like all right when does Oregon come back and then I realized they weren't coming back and I was like what game did he watch because it was not this one yeah that game did not go as we thought it would it wasn't as intriguing as we thought it was it really just showed the absolute dominance of Georgia and how many NFL players they have. And that's just a well, difference. Stetson Bennett deserves love, man. He, he yep. is that dude. He was unreal in that game. I mean, just like shucking, you know, would be sackers and everything and just making plays left and right. I was, I was very impressed. Yeah. And he's not doing it against FCS competition. Like that's the best of the best of the PAC 12. So really, really impressive. So looking forward to this week, uh, we have seven main games that we want to cover real quick. So first being Texas versus Bama, that's kind of the headliner of the entire weekend. We have Bama fresh off a big win this past week against Utah State. Not much of a competition there. Texas beat up pretty handedly on Louisiana Lafayette. Do you think Texas has a chance? The line is like 22 and a half right now. Yeah, the line does not. Like Vegas definitely believes in Bama. Yeah. I, I think Bama is going to win by at least two scores, possibly more. I, I think if Texas, kind of like the Notre Dame-Ohio State game, if they can keep it close and just show some fight, I think that would be very promising for this program that's trying to rebuild under Sarkeesian. If, if they just get blown you know, blown out of the water from the get-go, it's, you can tell like those Texas boosters are just going to be you know, chomping at the bit to start getting the uh, fire Sarkeesian people going. Yeah, it's got to be the Quinn Ewers show. It's got to be the Bijan Robinson show. If that doesn't happen, that's the only two edges that the Longhorns have. They just don't have a shot in this game. So I, I believe in the line. I think it's going to be about 21. I feel bad for Texas. Like this just isn't their class yet. Um, but yeah, go Bama. They're going to they're gonna completely crumble yeah. this game. Uh, the next interesting one is Iowa State-Iowa. This is an in-state rivalry. Did you watch that Iowa-South Dakota State I, game? Oh my, that's why. I, so I picked the game for us to talk about it here. And I was like, man, if Iowa's offense looks like that the rest of the season, I think Iowa fans might set records for most alcohol consumed during a college football season because that was absolutely brutal to see. Um, but yeah, to your point, Iowa-Iowa State's always that great you know, these games are always good. Even if, if in the seasons where Iowa's kind of outclassed Iowa State, that they're always close games. So I think it'll be very exciting. Yeah, this is what kind of makes college football great in that no matter what 
the team's outlook is. It, it could be a team that's 11 and one going into the last week versus like a three and 10 team. And like, it could still end up being a really close game just because they're rivals and everything. So yeah. If Iowa doesn't score like real offensive points in the first quarter though, people might throw bottles onto the field. Like they were getting restless against the Jackrabbits. Yeah. The fact that they only scored seven points, only three that were actual offensive points. The other four were from safeties. I don't know how that's even possible. And it was really, oh, yeah. Cause I saw the final score. Yeah. I was like, okay. And then I saw the field goal and then like, it took a minute for it to like kick. And I'm like, how the heck did Iowa get to set? I mean, like, it's like the wheels are turning like, oh my God, that's what this game is about to be. And, and that's what it was. It was, that was rough. Yeah. It was the ultimate sickos game. And I loved it so much. But uh, if you had to pick between the two teams, who do you think is going to win? Uh, I think I was going to, going to take it. They're going to have, and I mean, that defense, I don't know if I will let Iowa state score like that. I mean, that was a legitimately good defensive performance, great special teams performance. The offense, those players might not do anything besides run offensive drills to until they get their timing and everything figured out. So I, I just assume I was going to take it this week. Yeah, I think we've kind of seen this before. Iowa struggles in a game and then they go off for like 56 against Ohio State randomly. So I, I have a little bit of faith in Iowa still. They've been there, done it before. So uh, next fun game, Baylor at BYU. Uh, this is going to be an interesting one because this is a future Big 12 matchup that's going to be going on almost every single year after this. Uh, Baylor is definitely a talented team. BYU is also top 25. Uh, what's your take on this game? Who do you think is going to win it? Yeah, this one's rough. I don't know either teams that well. I just know that it's two top 25 teams, which I think makes me excited for the game itself. I would assume Baylor, just based off of that like fandom, you know, not knowing that the program's all that one. It's like BYU to me is always that kind of eight win team that makes a decent bowl game, whereas Baylor has the ability to actually make like a playoff type run. So I'm, I'm just going to pick Baylor. I could be completely wrong about all that analysis. That's just what I'm, I'm thinking from the outside looking in. Yeah. The gut definitely says Baylor. They overachieved big time last year. And honestly, I don't really see that going away. They have a pretty impressive program. Um, they've been beat down, but they have the resources. They're, they're good at basketball and football. So I, I like Baylor as well this year. Uh, Florida versus Kentucky is going to be a fun one. We have Anthony Richardson, who completely balled out. He was one of my Heisman picks, and now I'm feeling pretty good about that one at this point. And it's against Will Levis, a.k.a. the Mayo Boy, on Kentucky. So who do you like in this matchup? Yeah, after watching that Florida-Utah game, to, to your point, uh, Richardson just looks – or Richards, right? Richardson. Let me, let me make sure – Anthony hey, Richardson. Richardson. Okay, yeah. so I, I, you got to put respect on the name after the way he played there. I mean, the, the ball fakes, his ability to just get out of the pocket when things look – dire i think was just really impressive uh so i i'm gonna just go with the the better talent takes over um clearly the the ap rankers don't know what you know anything about what teams are actually good because florida wasn't even a ranked team going into that game but vegas knew you know they the line was at like two points so um yeah i think it's going to be a great game i i expect florida to win i think they'll just outclass kentucky yeah vegas always knows I think Florida is definitely going to win this game as well. Kentucky struggled a little bit last week. I think they're playing Miami, Ohio, if I remember correctly. They didn't even cover, so I don't think they're that quality of a team this year. Um, and yeah, Florida just looked absolutely insanely good. The defense it's, looked really good against a really talented Utah offense as well. I guess it's definitely weird that like right like we were so easy to write off struggles for Week One because like it's like yeah it's that's college guys you know who struggle, but at the same time it's like. They're, any team that looks great, we're just like, yep, they're absolute studs. It's it's so weird. I, I just the 
the anatomy of trying to analyze college players after one week. Cause it's just like, you gotta remember these are like 18 and 19 year olds trying to figure it out. Like there's just so much going on. So I'm hoping for the sake of, of good television, that's a better game than, than what it might end up being. But um, yes, yeah, uh, that's all there is to it. Yeah, truly. Another interesting game past week was the backyard brawl. It was a Thursday night game. Loved watching that one. It was great to see it after 11 years. Uh, Pittsburgh ended up prevailing barely over West Virginia and they're playing against Tennessee this week. So what, what's your thoughts there? Hey, I think the, so the, the backyard brawl game, it, I mean, it was a Thursday night, which is weird. It was, it was, I mean, hyped beyond belief, which is just tough on, on the, you know, it takes an emotional toll on people. So I, I feel like it's one of two ways, either just Playing on a Saturday and, and kind of having a normal schedule, you know, helps push Pitt past Tennessee or like I said, like that emotional toll and just like the energy expenditure of being such a unique um, spotlight game allows Tennessee to just kind of dog walk them. I don't see an in-between there. for Like I think it's like Pitt wins or they just get smacked by Tennessee. Yeah, that's fair. Slovis look pretty good for Pittsburgh. Um, kind of average, but like at least pretty good, at least accurate like he normally is. And Tennessee's offense actually looked really, really good this past week. They put up like 50-some points on whoever they were playing. So um, this is definitely a much-needed statement win for Tennessee, but I'm not sure if they get it done. I think Pittsburgh's got to be the favorite here still in my mind. Uh, I put these last two games on here just because they're the sicko games that I enjoy. Uh, Kansas State is playing Mizzou this next week. Uh, Mizzou uh, barely... I would I should say barely. I don't like Mizzou, but they end up beating Louisiana Tech uh, fairly handedly, but like not as like convincingly as a lot of people thought. And then Kansas State has Nebraska's old quarterback Adrian Martinez, who is definitely capable of putting a team on his back. This is an old Big Twelve matchup. I think Mizzou's pretty dog water, so I'm going to go with K State in this one. I'm just going to trust your analysis. Don't know either of the teams. Okay. The, the next one you have on here is is more up my alley because. Uh, you know, I just love to see it, but Mad Max last game for, for as he says, sickos is Duke versus Northwestern. So this is basically saying, okay, of your potential lawyer in the future, of the people running the world of business, like who's better at football between these two? And that's what you're going to find out this weekend. Yeah, I love watching the nerds fight each other. It's definitely the battle of the nerds. Uh, the quarterback for Northwestern looked pretty good against Nebraska Helensky. So I, I definitely think Northwestern should be the favorite here. Uh, but yeah, I hope it's like a 13 to 10 game. That's just like an absolute. Yeah, yeah, I would assume Northwestern's the favorite, but I mean, just any time where, you know, the average ACT score of the two teams is higher than the average Jersey number, like you're good to go, <laughs> right? It's going to, it's going to be some intelligent people out there. Exactly. So we're going to go from the absolute worst players that you can possibly watch in college football. And we're going to go to the absolute pinnacle of football play. So we're going into fancy matchups for this upcoming week. And some of our favorite matchups for teams. So we both have Chargers Raiders as one of our favorites. So what what makes you so intrigued about this fantasy matchup? Yeah, so this was one of those ones where I'm like, you know, looking through the schedule intuitively to me, I'm like, this has to be one of the, you know, two or three highest scoring games. And then tracking the lines or the over-unders, Vegas kind of backed that up. So it's like a 53 and a half over-under, which is pretty high for the NFL. Um, You got two teams that really want to prove themselves in a, in a very, excuse me, in a very difficult conference. Um, the Raiders are, you know, I mean, they just did everything they could to really bolster the offense. The Chargers, you know, did it on the defensive side, but already had a great offense. So I think it'll be a very exciting game in general. 
but also just I, I think it's gonna be some powerful offenses. It'll probably come down to the Chargers just being a, you know a bit better on defense, getting a timely turnover or sack that kind of pushes them over the top. Yeah, I think this game got more intriguing throughout the week because we learned that J.C. Jackson's most likely not going to be playing this weekend. And he was they foot surgery, right? Or ankle surgery? Yeah, something like that. It seems like he might be out for a handful of weeks, actually. So uh, that was going to be an interesting test, in my opinion, for the wide receivers for the Raiders. We have Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams. But now it seems like they're going to be able to run a little bit more free on this defense, which I think is a quality defense for the Chargers. But without J.C. Jackson, kind of like your number one corner in a lot of ways, you're definitely losing some of that oomph. Um, So this should be a high-flying matchup, like you said. Um, I don't think the Raiders' defense is all that good. And anytime you have a high-flying matchup, it's going to be a good fancy matchup. Honestly, all these kind of guys, you know, Derek Carr, Justin Herbert, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, like you should all start all those guys with confidence this upcoming week. Yeah, well, it's definitely one of those ones too where it's like this might not be the best week for Devontae Adams because the Chargers are still going to take him away first. So you're going to see Derwin James kind of bracketing over the top on him a lot. But I bet you Hunter Renfro and if Darren Waller is a go, which it sounds like he is, but he still has that questionable tag on him. I think those guys are going to be facing a lot of zone and they're just very intelligent and know how to get up in the zone. They might get a ton of targets this game. Yeah. And I couldn't see Josh Jacobs getting a lot of work out of the backfield as well, as well as Samir White and Amir Abdullah. It's going to be really fun to see, get finally get some clarity on that backfield as well as a bunch of other backfields this upcoming week. So well, we've only talked to Raiders. Let's, let's pick a couple chargers players maybe to highlight, you know, is this, do you feel like this is more of a Keenan Allen, you know, or Justin Herbert kind of week, or do you think this is more of like an Eckler, you know, rushing attack type week for the chargers? I think it's going to be a mixed attack. I know that's kind of a cop-out answer for your question, but um, I think I, I could see Eckler scoring a touchdown in this matchup. I also see the Chargers realizing it's a long season, so I could see us getting some Isaiah Spiller out of the backfield as well. Um, but yeah, Mike Williams, um, Gerald Everett would be a great play as well this week, I think. Uh, I just think in general it's just going to be like a 35-31 game and everyone's going to be able to eat a little bit. So Okay. Uh, your next, yeah, we we both I said we both highlighted that game, so we can move on here. And I'm, I'll just go ahead and take over. But I think uh, Buccaneers Cowboys is going to be a high scoring game. I mean, we got that last season. That was our Week One Sunday night game. I think it's the same this week, or this might be like a Thursday or Monday. Sorry, Sunday afternoon game. Oh uh, no, I think uh, I think I think it's the Sunday. I think it's the Sunday night game. It's not the Thursday night opener, but it's the Sunday night game. So yeah, it should be okay. That's okay. Highlighted. It's I mean because the the Cowboys are going to put up. And I mean, I won't say easy, but they're definitely going to put up at least 35 points, maybe even 42. I, I just don't think the the Buccaneers defense is quite what people – and because going into the last season, people saw that playoff run. They're like, oh, man, this Bucks defense is tough. And it's like I don't think it is what people thought it was. And then we kind of saw them get exposed even against like the Cowboys. So I could see, again, this Cowboys team pretty healthy could just come out there and put up quite a bit. But on the same side, I mean, it's the, the Buccaneers want to score points too. It looks like Chris Godwin's healthy. Mike Evans is healthy. Learn Fournette's ready to go. I, I think it could be an exciting game. I think the Cowboys pull it out, but as far as the fantasy matchup goes, I think any starter for either team is, I mean, they're locked and loaded in your lineup. Yeah, for sure. I think the Bucks defense is a little bit scary just because they have so many guys that have been there, done that. Uh, Devin White, Levante David, all the way across the board. Um, the thing that scares me a little bit and why I didn't put it into my top three is like this is going to be the freshest we see the Bucks defense all year. I definitely think age is going to hit them at some point. I've talked about how I think like injuries, they've gotten very lucky with that in the past. Like how's that going to keep sustaining itself? Uh, 
And then the other thing I don't love is like they have a lot of younger guys. The Cowboys do at wide receiver. We got like Noah Brown. We have Jalen Tolbert. Like I think those guys need a few more weeks in order to fully gel. Uh, the Cowboys aren't at full strength. They don't have Michael Gallup or anything yet. So I, I'm a little bit more hesitant to put this into like go 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 mode for fantasy matchups. And I don't know. I just feel like Sunday night matchups can get cursed sometimes because it's like, oh, you know, we get these great games that we're really hyped about, and then they turn into ten to three slugfests just because the curse of Sunday night. So uh, I, I think the I think this matchup will be fine. I, I just don't think it's going to be quite as high flying as like the Chargers Raiders was going to be. I, I think though the the big takeaway for a lot of owners might be see the usage Tolbert gets because that I think is going to be very indicative of. Um, you know his upcoming season if, if they're already you know using him a lot or he's getting a lot of snap percentage that's great for people that drafted him also under like try to see the split between zeke and pollard because mm-hmm. that's going to be i think pretty tough like, to your point of, of as fresh as they're going to be like zeke's healthy he's as fresh as he's going to be the whole season if he only gets 10 carries it's like i mean that's you know i mean that should be like alarm bells because it's not like this is that same front seven that the bucks have had you know sue's out of there um, I mean, they still got Vita Vea, so that, you know, it's kind of rough to run against. But, you know, if the Cowboys are only giving Zeke, uh, you know, like I said, like 10 carries and it's more of like Pollard kind of flashing out of the backfield, and, you know, with some of those like flare outs might be a long year for, for Zeke owners. Yeah, you make a great point. Like so much of week one really is just like getting information and also realizing like that information not, may not be sticky going forward. Like I'm really curious to see how much run Rashad White gets versus Lenny Forns mm-hmm. at running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But also recognizing, like last year, Jamal Williams technically outsnapped DeAndre Swift. So, like, you try to get information, you try to see what ends up being sticky, and then you just extrapolate that going forward. Um, well, it's definitely you don't panic if something goes wrong. You just start kind of thinking, okay, well, how can I get returned? Because you know, if, if it's obvious Zeke stock is going to keep tanking, it's like you got to get rid of him as soon as you can for something. You know, you don't you don't panic and, and trade him, but. Um, you know, you got to make something work or on the flip side, if he balls out and you're like, I don't trust that result, you know, then that gives you a chance to, to you know, if it's like a weird fluky, like Tony Pollard only had like a 10% snap, snap shares. You're like, well, that's not going to happen the whole season. Like, let's, you know, take advantage of this. So yeah, just, you know, kind of keep that stuff in mind. I'm curious. So we have two matchups that are very, very similar at wide receiver. We got CD lamb. Who's going to be the clear number one receiver for the Cowboys. And we have Mike Evans, exact same thing. Who do you think ends up scoring more fancy points this week? CD Lamb for sure. I, the so the only way Mike Evans outscores him if it's one of those classic like Mike Evans fifty yards four touchdown type performances. I think I, I just you know CD's just so crisp that I, I could see him really you know getting like a ten a ten catch you know hundred something yard one touchdown type game that's just you know consistent throughout and and outscores Evans getting like two touchdowns in the first quarter and calling it a day. That's interesting. I honestly was thinking more so Evans, just because he's probably going to be shadowed by Trayvon Diggs, who is an incredible boom or bust kind of cornerback. Right. Just- so a lot of yards. I feel like he's been struggling a little bit in camp. He's definitely been getting a lot of like hate online and from people that are saying, oh, he gives up a ton of yards. He's not that good. So I honestly could see Evans eating pretty well in this game. Yeah. So what's what's your next matchup? What are you what are you kind of looking forward to? Uh, I have Ravens Jets just because I feel like a lot of people have a lot of Ravens players and there's also just like a lot of like emotional stuff that's going to be going on in this game. So uh, the Ravens Jets are playing this week. Joe Flacco is going to be starting at quarterback for the Jets playing against his old team that won a Super Bowl with him. Uh, I think the Jets are going to be emotionally charged and they have a lot of different weapons that are really, really young and have a lot of 
uh, potential, but we'll see what, how they end up turning out. But I think the most exciting thing is all the Ravens options that they have. I think Rashad Bateman's going to have favorable matchups all day long. I think Mark Andrews is going to have a good chance here. Uh, Isaiah Likely, like it'll be really curious to see where he falls in the pecking order of everything. There's reports coming out of camp that he's the third option on that offense already as the backup tight end. So that could be really exciting. And then there's just like extra drama there. Like how healthy is J.K. Dobbins? Like it seems like there's going to be a lot of Mike Davis in this game. Um, and then Lamar Jackson hasn't signed his extension yet. And his uh, predetermined self-imposed deadline is this Friday. So I think the Ravens are going to be running up the score big time on the Jets here. Uh, but I could also see Joe Flacco just being like, hey, guys, like, give me one. You know, give me your best effort here against my old squad. So I think this will be a good game. I think you're giving the Jets more credit than they deserve. I, I could see this being the Ravens get up by two touchdowns and then just never let the Jets touch the ball again because they just have so many options running. I agree it'll be interesting for J.K. Dobbins owners uh, such as myself to see, you know, is, is he if all, you know, all systems go or is it going to be a really, you know, muddied backfield? Um, I think it's exciting for Jets player owners as a, uh, you know, let's see what kind of blue chip talent these guys really are. Cause they're going to get, I think potentially a lot of garbage time to, you know, kind of show off what they've got. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I, I think you're a bit more, more high on the jets than I am, but I'm also a Patriots fan. So I'm, you know, and every chance I get, I want the jets to look terrible. Yeah. And the Baltimore Ravens are, they're back for their secondary looks really, really good right now, but their front seven still a little banged up and still doing some gelling. So I think we could actually have a pretty decent week for Brees Hall and Michael Carter out of the backfield as well. So We'll see how that split turns out. Um, it could end up being a little more 50-50 than we would hope. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what that potential ends up looking like. For sure. Anyway, so what do you have for your third matchup? Yeah, I think, I mean, to me, if just kind of basing it off of last season, this game looks like it's going to be a real shootout. Uh, so Chiefs-Cardinals, I think, could be exciting. We're going to see, you know, the, the Cardinals kind of showing off that they've got Marquise Brown now. I'd be more excited if they saw DeAndre Hopkins in the, in the lineup, but, you know, that's just it is what it is. The Chiefs, I think, are just very exciting because we don't know. It's, it's the first time in four years that we don't really – I guess three years, but still, that we don't know where their offensive production will be coming. So, I mean, obviously, Kelsey's going to get his points, but after that, we, we're not sure. I mean, their, their backfield is a giant question mark. They're – you know, they've got like four new receivers that we don't – I mean, like, is it going to be Juju? Is it going to be MSV? So I, I think it, it could be like the most fun um, live betting uh, game of the entire season where it's like, you know, after the first quarter, you're like, oh, heck yeah, let's see. Uh, let me get that Juju live, uh, you know, live prop bet. And then all of a sudden it's like he doesn't touch the ball again. Everyone's just like, what is happening? I think that could be this game. Yeah, I'm definitely rooting for it. I'm hoping it's like that Chiefs-Rams game in 2019 or – 18, whenever it was, when it was like 56, 54, they're supposed to play in Mexico and they have playing in LA. Like that kind of gives me this sort of vibes. Uh, I, I think the chiefs defense is a little bit better than we give them credit for. And I don't know if you saw the report today, but apparently the chiefs game plan is going to involve a lot of passing, a lot of spreading it around to a bunch of different guys. So I'm a little worried. We're going to get a lot of just like three for 40 performances out of like Juju MBS, all those guys that you mentioned. I think Kelsey is an absolute smash. Like you definitely start this guy and you start him with confidence this upcoming week. Same yeah. thing with Mahomes. Yeah, this, this will be Kelsey's week for sure. Yeah. It's just like the rest of the guys, like what's the split going to be between CEH and Pacheco? Like I'm not really too sure yet. Cardinals. I think Hollywood Brown is an absolute smash too, because like he's the only guy there. It's then it's like AJ green and Rondale Moore at receiver. Um, 
but yeah, I think I think this might be a little more low scoring than you expect, but I'm 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 hopeful. I, I want it to be a more murders. So we'll see. See, I, I just I think that so the Chiefs defense they lost some pieces and they got very talented rookies, but you know, rookies in their first NFL game are not who I want to be trusting on the defensive side of the ball. It just kind of opens it up for, you know, little mistakes. And and I, to me, that means big plays honestly on both sides of the ball. Cause the chiefs just kind of always seem to have big plays, mm-hmm. but it really opens it up for the Cardinals. So it's, it should just be a fun game. More of a story. It should be a fun game. Yeah, it's, I cannot wait to see how many yards like Juju and such get with no more Tyreek. Like it's gonna. Be- I just can't wait for NFL games, man. I'm so <laughs> amped up that the NFL is back. It's you know we I've been biding my time with with other you know quick fixes, but it's nothing like NFL football. Yeah, yeah I got you. Got any of those games? We need some of them games. Yeah, I got them games, man. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of the the spirit of my third game: Jacksonville versus Washington. I think these are two defenses that aren't going to be that great. We have Washington, Chase Young. Looks like he's going to be out for a few more weeks um, before he officially gets off the pup list. And I think these could be two impressive, somewhat impressive defense uh, offenses this upcoming week. So we got Trevor Lawrence and finally having a chance to uh, prove himself. He didn't really have a chance last year with Urban Meyer. Um, So I think he's an absolute play this week. I think it'll be really interesting seeing the one-two attack of Travis Etienne and James Robinson at running back. On the Washington side, we have Carson Wentz, who is incredibly just average and meh. But I think the wide receivers could actually be really exciting. Like Curtis Samuel was pretty much just lost last year. He had injuries and such. But this year, he'll, he should be back and healthier than ever. Um, and then other guys, Antonio Gibson, like, is, is he back? You know, no more Brian Robinson or seemingly no more Brian Robinson. I read a report that he is off crutches already, which is kind of incredible. So I think this might end up being a more of a barn burner kind of game than we expect. Um, I haven't seen the over under on it yet, but I'm sure it's quite low. But I think this might be a more healthy fantasy matchup than we give credit um, to it initially. Yeah, both of these teams have one relevant players that people are drafting, you know, ETN, uh, James Robinson. Um, a lot of Christian Kirk, you know, Stockford, the Jacksonville side, Washington side, you know, Scary Terry, Jahan Dotson, to your point, Antonio Gibson. Like there's players that you don't even have to be a gambling degenerate to be watching this game. Like you could be, you know, invested in, in some higher pick of your fantasy lineup. But I think just in general, this could be a better matchup than people expect just based off of like the talent that these two teams have. So Jacksonville hasn't been great, but last year I think that was largely reflective of Urban Meyer and not necessarily the the uh, talent on the roster. And then they got one more season of, of you know first overall pick type talent coming in. So this Jacksonville team has a lot of talent. I don't know if you watched any Trevor Lawrence in the preseason, but the dude was spinning it. He looked really good. He looked like the first overall pick of an NFL draft. So I'm excited to see how that goes. And for Washington, Carson Wentz. I mean, I, I don't think there's a saltier place on earth than the uh, Indianapolis locker room talking about Carson Wentz. And he's a human. He hears that. Like, he has something to prove. Um, you know, Ron Rivera is kind of a good coach to have as far as, you know, kind of keeping your, your spirits up. I, I'd like to see I, – I don't like seeing people fail, so I'd really like to see him do well. And, and I think, you know, with, with having Scary Terry, with having a, a good running game, which, I mean, I know obviously he did at Indy as well, but there's a chance for him to at least, you know, show he's a top. 20 quarterback. I know that's not saying a ton, but I mean, it, there's an opportunity there. And, that, and I think that's all Washington really needs to be a playoff contender with the, the defense they have. So yeah, I think it's, 
it's one of those ones where it's like there's going to be a lot of storylines coming out of this game that is seemingly an insignificant noon Sunday game. Yeah, I was reading through ESPN's rankings, and I think that's kind of what spurned this. They did their power rankings going into week one, and they had Washington at number 30 out of 32. And I was that, like, that's too low. That's too low. That's too low. There's so many worse they, teams. They have, they have so. so many talented teams. They, they, like, I get it. They haven't done well. People, again, are I think people are as low as they will ever be on Carson Wentz, but that team has talent on their roster. And same for Jacksonville. They're, I don't think they're going to be, you know, the worst possible team. Yeah, exactly. So uh, next we're going to be moving into daily fantasy. Jimmy D, can you explain to maybe some newbies that are out there listening to the pod to daily fantasy, how exactly daily fantasy works? Yeah, so the premise of daily fantasy is – you're terrible at drafting the season long. You get frustrated after one or two weeks. What's the best way to do it? Oh, I get to pick my players every single week. So you're given a budget rather than, you know, just kind of the the open field. And you have to pick players that you want in your roster that fit within a budget. So it has nothing to do with salary cap. It has nothing to do with, you know, like the player itself. It's always more, it's like really matchup dependent for, for the budget. Um, and it's very arbitrary. So like I, I'm used to DraftKings. I think you're more of a fan duel. I think the difference is like fifty thousand dollars versus sixty thousand. Um, but then you you pick a, a normal a lineup. So you're you're just kind of trying to find matchups and and there's two very different ways to construct your roster versus are you going very consistent uh cash game type lineup? So you're you're wanting to play maybe twenty different people and, and trying to win a little over half your games to get your money back, or are you more of a tournament lineup kind of guy that your team either you want them to score zero points or 300 because that's really the way you get paid out is by by being a top five finisher in those those types of contests so it's really to me it's the the most exciting way to do fantasy football i love dfs but i live in missouri so i can't play it unfortunately but it's i mean it's just so exciting um every week you know you're eager with anticipation it doesn't matter if your season-long teams are bad because it's like oh i can prove that i know what i'm doing here in the the daily fantasy uh, so that, that's kind of the, the gist of it. It's really just a way to keep people engaged um, every week and, and it, within different slates too, because you can play like the Thursday, like the Monday, Thursday matchup or just Sunday games or just primetime. So it just gives you a lot more options to, to kind of pick and choose different roster constructions. Yeah, definitely. And I think a couple other things to note is the player's value, the player's price changes every single week. So for one week, you might have Justin Jefferson way higher than another week just based off a matchup. And then I think another thing to note is the prices kind of go up exponentially as well. So like I'm looking at the DraftKings uh, prices right now. Jonathan Taylor is about $9,100. It also changes throughout the week. It'll fluctuate. And then for about half that price, you can get like CEH or something like that. So the prices go up very, very quickly. So you can kind of do a little bit of like what we did in the salary uh, draft that we did with Libby on the last pod. Uh, you can kind of get studs, you can kind of get some scrubs, or you can kind of just keep it even throughout. So a lot of different strategy that goes into this. But we're going to go into our best bang for your buck guys for this upcoming week. So who's your first guy? Yeah, the, the one in, we talked pretty extensively about this matchup, but I think of the the Chargers versus Raiders, the Raiders are going to be on the uh, coming backside, if you will. You know, they really need to, to throw the ball, and and that's it kind of points to Derek Carr. And and I've been on high, high on Derek Carr all off season, much higher than you, obviously. I think this is kind of that week to prove it. I mean, you know, he's got the chip on his shoulder. He's got nothing but talent on his offense on the offensive side of the ball. They're going to be throwing the ball a day. You know, I mean, obviously. 
uh, Josh Jacobs will get some touches, but I, I think the matchup just looks better from a passing perspective. I, I, I just see a lot of, a lot of points for Derek Carr coming up and he's somewhere between $500 and a thousand dollars cheaper than Justin Herbert, depending on what website you use. So it's like, you're, you're getting potentially the better quarterback outcome from, from this high scoring game. Uh, and then definitely someone that I think has just a lot of new weapons that the Raiders are definitely going to try to show off. Yeah. I love that for all the same reasons that we mentioned earlier. I think it'll be a high flying game. So that's exciting. Uh, one guy that I really like, and this guy just jumped off the page for me was Chase Edmonds. I cannot believe for the price that he's going, uh, he's going for basically the same price as other handcuffs. So you're Jamal Williams of the world. And he's going to be the starter. He's been the RB1 all throughout camp. He didn't play the last preseason game. So there's all the signals coming out of Miami that he is going to be the starter. Uh, He has other good weapons around him to kind of free him up to get extra space. He catches passes and he's going for like 5,400 bucks, which is like half the price of what Jonathan Taylor is going at $9,100. So I think he's an absolute must buy, whether you put him in your flex or whether you're putting him in one of your running back spots. I, I think this is just a no-brainer. I, I feel like the, the price has not caught up to the hype that should be Chase Edmonds right now. Yeah, no, I love that pick because he fits into any strategy you're trying to do, right? So if you're a cash game person, that's that good dollar per point value. If you're a, a tournament grinder, that's really good, you know, cheap dollars to get a potential of, you know, he's got a decent ceiling. It's not like the highest ceiling in the world, but he's got a good ceiling, but that lets you pick larger or put more of your budget towards the people that you're thinking are really going to pop off. So if you're all in on Devonte Adams this week, right, that gives you more flexibility to fit in a couple just absolute stud wide receivers. That's just the kind of consistency, or I guess the the ceiling potential you need if you're trying to win uh, tournaments. But again, you know, for for cash games, it, it gives you a chance to then pay for you know two stud running backs that give you that that good floor that you need to win those games. So I, I love that pick from you. Yeah, this is fun because like you can't just get all the studs, right? Like you got to have some sleeper picks in there as well to try and fit into your roster into your. Uh, salary so i i think he's a great value pick for this upcoming week so who is your second pick who do you also like this week? yep so i'm, I'm sticking with chargers raiders vegas thinks it's going to be high scoring i think it's going to be high scoring this one's purely a tournament play for me because i just don't trust uh the consistency but mike williams is, is the kind of guy that could easily pop off for his casual you know three catch 200 yard two touchdown type game uh, I mean, just where it's like unreal the, the way he can get open and, and that Raiders defense, I, I just don't think is that great as far as stopping the big play. Uh, so I, I could just, I could see it happening. I, you know I mean? It's, it's not a guarantee, but I love targeting that he's cheaper than Keenan Allen. He's cheaper than Devonte Adams. He's cheaper than Hunter Renfro. Like that's what you want to see out, out of this clearly high scoring matchup. That is, is the kind of guy you look to. No, 100%. I think this makes so much sense. Mike Williams always starts out so hot during the seasons as well. He yes, his first year. six weeks are super saiyan. Yeah, exactly. And he just got paid as well, so he should be a happy man. I think this makes so much sense. Mike Williams is going to get um, – he's going to be feasting on those quarterbacks of the Raiders for sure. So I think this is just super yeah. logical. I'm going to keep it with the wide receivers, and I'm picking the third most expensive wide receiver this week, but I think he's going to be extremely worth it as well. I'm doing Debo Samuel versus Chicago. Uh, this is strictly based off matchup. Um, I think the I think there's going to be a little bit of a feeling out period with Trey Lance at quarterback. 
think Brandon Ayuk is going to have a decent week as well. But I just think the uh, Chicago defense is going to be so, so bad. Like, like, not to put you on the spot, Jimmy D, but can you even name a single corner on the Chicago Bears? Uh, if Eddie Jackson is still there. Oh, no, he was a safety. Yeah, he's a safety. Oh, like, like they had Kyle Fuller was like the last relevant corner they had. Yeah, he's not even there anymore. So, exactly. Okay. Like, that's my point. It's like their their corners are going to be absolutely awful. I think David Dio St. Louis is absolutely going to feast. And I'm also kind of excited to see how much he gets out of the backfield as well. So, for $7,400, still expensive, but I think he might – I think he has a really, really great chance to be the best fantasy player this entire weekend. Yeah, but man, when you combine him with a, a Chase Edmonds in your running back slot, that brings it two players that are averaging $6,000 total. You know, it's something like that where it's like that's just – it's how you have to think about your roster construction is you, you give up one for what you feel like is more consistent on the other. Yeah, it's true. So that that's kind of just my thinking there. Um, I, I like him a lot this week. So uh, who, who do you like for your third spot here? Yeah, I'm going to pick a a Mad Mac favorite here. So I love the Chiefs-Cardinals matchup. Everyone's going to be focused on Hollywood Brown. I want to see what Rondell Moore is going to do. He's going to be getting, you know, cornerback three or two. The dude is an absolute, you know, blazer. He's in his second season now, right? Not It's second or third? Second, I think it's the second season. Yeah. Yeah, so that's usually when these receivers take a step up. And he's one of those guys that, you know, didn't come in guns blazing to the league, but you could see that that sophomore jump out of him because he was an absolute stud out of Purdue. Uh, I I have high expectations for him on the year in general, not as high as you, but I think this is, could be one of those, like, coming out weeks where it's like, oh, they're doubling Hollywood. Let's just keep dunking it to Rondell Moore, who – in his own right, can be a deep threat, but that's not really his thing. He's going to get those quick yards and then turn it into something special. Uh, I, I, I think it could be one of those, you know, high, high targets, high catches. He's able to get yards after the catch. Could be a great week for someone that you're paying, I think forty, forty-five or forty-six hundred for in DraftKings. Like, he's going to get. 10 targets this week. I, I, I'd be all for Rondo more. Yeah. I, not to keep gushing about him, but like he's got the second year wide receiver jump. A lot of people used to talk about like the third year wide receivers. was like the people you needed to target. It seems like now the data is really supporting that it's second year wide receivers are the guys to target. Um, Rondo. And I'll, I'll throw one more. So I'll throw one more thing in though too. It's, I don't think Zach Ertz, like Zach Ertz is iffy. He's not really been practicing this offseason. He's been nursing an injury. Trey McBride as their, their rookie tight end, like I, you, rookie tight ends don't tend to perform well. Kyle Pitts is the anomaly because he was just a freak athlete. Trey McBride's not Kyle Pitts. Like I wouldn't rely on him being this stud right away tight end. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is out, right? So, I mean, your receivers are Marquise Brown, Rondell Moore. I don't know who wide receiver for. AJ AJ, okay, the, the corpse of AJ Green. <laughs> so, like, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm all for Rondell Moore this week. Yeah, 100%. And on top of that, Rondell Moore started out so hot last year. Like, he was the sexy waiver ad for the first few weeks. I, I see him doing it again. You know, why not? Like, maybe he's just a fast starter. So, we'll see what happens there. I have a quick question. Uh, or sorry, sorry. T- talk about your next player. Then I have a question about about this before we move on segments. Okay, sounds good. Um, my last guy that I had, I, it's very simple. There, there, it's just a gut feeling. There, there's no analysis behind it. Uh, for quarterback, I love having Baker Mayfield at quarterback this upcoming week. I fully foresee him being one and done. His competition's fallen off. Sam Darnold's hurt, so it's definitively Baker for this week one. And he is playing his old team, the Cleveland Browns. The man is incredibly salty. He's going to be angry. I don't think he's going to be good the rest of the season, but I think he'll be absolutely lights out in this game. I could see him having 400 yards, four touchdowns, something crazy like that. And plus, like to be fair to him, he was hurt a lot of last year. 
he'll actually be healthy this upcoming year. And I think he's just going to ball out and just completely destroy the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I mean, if you're making a T-shirt for a week one game, like you know, you're pretty motivated to do well. So I think I think you're on the the right path here, being excited about about Baker. Yep. So what's your existential question? I'm curious. Yeah, I, I'm just curious. So you know, I'm a big big fan of daily fantasy. Um, I was just wondering, do you use daily fantasy stats or, or budgets, etc., to you know craft your um, your season long lineups, because I know there, there's kind of a, a disconnect between, you know, someone might have a bad matchup, but he was your first round pick. So like, you're going to start him regardless when you get to more of like your flex spot and you have to start kind of thinking, you know, you're really making those tough decisions on who to start. So like, at what point do you start actually tweaking with your league lineup of, of playing more matchup versus just, well, this guy's a stud. I have to start him. Yeah, I think early on, you don't look at matchups too much just because we've talked about defenses, right? And defenses just, like, aren't that sticky. They're really hard to predict. And we just, like, don't know how good a certain defense is going to be. It's a little later on in the season, especially when we are talking about wide receivers, when we finally figure out, like, who the stud corners of the year are, right? Like, I didn't really like playing anyone that was a wide receiver one against Atlanta last year because A.J. Terrell was just shutting down guys. And, like, granted, the Atlanta defense wasn't that good, but A.J. Terrell was just so, so good. And so I think you start looking at those matchups a little bit more, kind of like doing this like daily fantasy kind of analysis. But I think early on, you're just like, you know, we got to get information. We got to see who's good and who's going to fall off a little bit. Like A.J. Brown really struggled at the beginning of last year. And so he's someone that you didn't want to start for a little bit. Um, But I think you just got to start your studs, start the guys that you drafted, and then we can kind of fall off after that. Okay, cool. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know if I've ever used DraftKings like budgets themselves to to kind of think of how I want to do it. Although I think that'd be decent where it's like, okay, I've got two guys. Who does DraftKings see as the the more expensive play? Because they put a lot more analysis into, you know, their their like salaries on players than I do on just who to start. So it's good. But I think more so it's just like I would use DFS analysis of who's going to have a better week or who's kind of the the guy to go for and, and kind of leave budget aside and just think who's got that that premier matchup and, and the reasoning behind it, whether it's the weather of the the game to, you know, that's why you're starting a certain running back or like, oh, the other team's, you know, top two corners are, are injured. Therefore, this is a definite start at wide receiver, even if it's like a second option over, um, you know, maybe a wide receiver one or something like that. I, I think that's where you, you start to bring that in. Yeah, make a spreadsheet, Jimmy D. I'll use it if you end up making it. So <laughs> um, our last segment that we're going to be doing is guess the lines. So basically the point of this segment is every single week um, the draft or sorry, the sports books, they put out lines for each game. Um, The idea behind this is typically if you are two neutral teams that are the exact same, the home team is going to be automatically a three point favorite. That's kind of like how it works historically. Um, But we're going to be going through each individual matchup, talking about the matchup, and then guessing what we think the Vegas line for the game is. So, for example, we're starting with this Buffalo versus L.A. Rams game, um, and we each set who we think is going to win and by how many points. And then we're going to reveal. I I have them pulled up after the fact. I I already made my picks, but I have it pulled up to where we're going to look to see who's closer. And whoever's closer to the actual Vegas line is going to be the winner for that matchup. And I'll keep a running tally throughout the year because I think it'd be kind of fun. 
So, Jimmy D, so we got Thursday night, season opener. The drought is over. It's been a long seven months without football. Rams versus Bills. Who do you think is going to win and by how much? What do you think that line's going to be? Yeah, I, I so I think the Bills win this game um, just because they definitely have a bad taste in their mouth, in their mouth after last season. I think the bookmakers would put the Rams at minus three and a half because, uh, like as to your point, it, you get three points just for being the home team. But I also think it's really tough to beat a a defending Super Bowl champion. Like they, they just seem to always win that Thursday night game. Their crowd is, I mean, just electric. They're amped up. Um, you know, there's just a lot of positive things that go when you have that first Thursday night game. So to me, that that makes the chart or the the Rams be the, be the favorite. Um, I think the Bills end up winning, but yeah, I'm taking the Rams at minus three and a half as what I'm assuming the line is on this game. Yeah, I had the exact same thought process. You've got to pick the defending Super Bowl champ, right? Like they were the ones who actually won the Super Bowl. The Bills got knocked out by the Chiefs. Uh, the hype train on the Bills is out of control. I don't know if you saw this morning, but the Bills officially became the betting favorite to win the Super Bowl this upcoming year. It's like the first time since like 1980 or something insane like that. I don't really fully understand it. I think the Bills are going to be incredibly average this upcoming year. And this Thursday night game is like notoriously weird. Like it, Thursday night games in general are just weird. But like this first game of the season is always extremely strange. I thought it was going to be very chalky, a very simple Rams minus two. I figured the Bills were maybe considered a little bit better. They just stole... Um, von miller away from the rams so i figured like okay let's give it let's give it minus two to the rams it's actually bills minus two and a half which yeah i think this is an element of just bills mafia being so amped up that like like to your point they're like a betting favorite this is where the, the market actually kind of takes over you know to to the line itself and it, I, I think that's less about the game and more about just where, where people are betting which which is part of the, the sports betting market yeah and i also throughout this entire thing i kind of figured that the games are going to be a little bit closer like we don't have an 0 and 11 jets against the 11 and 0 cardinals or anything yet so usually those lines get really big they turn into like 17 points or something like that but i figured a lot of these are going to be pretty close because we don't have a much yeah absolutely uh, but yeah, that would shock me. But I technically won that because I had minus two. Technically, yeah. yeah. We had the same thought process, but you, you just made it a little smaller. Exactly. So next uh, Sunday Sunday matchups, uh, we have New England at Miami. So what do you think? Uh, yeah, this is one where I I think the, the Dolphins are just going to be a slight favorite just based off it being a home game week one. We don't know a whole lot about the Patriots. I think... The way Boston's uh, sports fans bet keeps it a closer line than it should be just because the Dolphins got much better this offseason, whereas the Patriots kind of stayed the same, and they already split last season. So to, to me, it's going to be a Dolphins favorite in this matchup. I think the Patriots win for no no motive whatsoever you know, on, on my end, but you know, the, the, the Pats definitely take it. You don't think there's any Patriots hype train going into this game? Like, uh, I, mean, yeah. I don't think so, no. We're, we've, been, we've had like the... The exact opposite of a hype trend in the offseason because we have the the weird, you know, twin headed Joe Judge, Matt Patricia, Wombo combo at offensive coordinator. So God knows what's happening there, but we're just hoping for the best at this point. Yeah, I I had a slightly different process here. I, I feel like just in general, like you mentioned, New England kind of gets a little bit of like bump in these kind of things, just because like they they have the pedigree, they have Bill Belichick. Uh, they have the darling quarterback, Mac Jones, that everyone's appointing as the next Tom Brady. 
And then I'm really, really high on Miami personally, but I kind of figured just like based off the offseason stuff, we had Tua, you know, who was underthrowing Tyreek Hill in, in practices. Um, there really isn't a ton outside of like Gasicki, outside of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and Chase Edmonds. Like it, it's a very like central core and it really all falls on Tua's shoulders. I, I chose this game as a dead even. Like I, I had it as a complete zero even split, but you definitely won this one. It's Finn's minus three and a half. So good on you. Next matchup, we have San Francisco at Chicago. What are you thinking here? Yeah, this is one. I just think the 49ers are unquestionably a better team. When a team is clearly the better team, it's like a, a touchdown. Like bets maker or odds makers don't usually go more than a touchdown. Um, so I, I looked at six and a half because, again, Chicago is one of those like sports crowds that can really pull their own weight as far as moving lines. So to me, it would push it a little bit closer to Chicago. But this to me is like a minus seven, but I put my six and a half San Francisco. I just think they're clearly a better team. Yeah, I kind of had a similar thought process. I was like, OK, it's probably going to be like minus six San Francisco on a neutral field. You give three points to Chicago. So I settled on 49ers minus three. Uh, you creamed me in this one. It's 49ers minus seven. So that's two for, okay. two for Dutton. I should have just stuck with my guns on the minus seven. Yeah, honestly. You almost have. Uh, next is Green Bay at Minnesota. Uh, we have the Aaron Rodgers revenge tour coming up. Uh, what, what what are your thoughts here? Yeah, so I, Green Bay is one of those teams where their week one for like the last three seasons is just not indicative whatsoever of the team itself. I think the the Vikings Packers always have a, a really good matchup. Like they always have these weird barn burners. Uh, so to me, it's a lot closer, like a kind of a minus one and a half, just because those two are just so closely matched. And, and there's a lot of unknown on both sides to where I could see Vegas trying to put kind of that fishy line out there of minus one and a half when it's clearly a game that the Vikings could win. But they're, they're trying to get people to just slam the, oh, the Packers are going to win by a touchdown type crowd and, and get that money that way. Yeah, I've had a, seen a lot of hype on the Packers this offseason. Like, it feels like that's kind of like the NFC favorite in a lot of ways. They've won like 13 games almost every single year over under Matt LaFleur. Um, I, I thought this one was pretty interesting because like last year, like you mentioned, the Packers played the Saints week one and they got like destroyed. It was like 38 to three. If you remember that game and everyone was like, is Aaron Rodgers throwing games? Is he not want to be here? Is he trying to get traded? Like what the hell is happening? Um, so I, I still picked the Packers. I had Packers minus four and a half. I figured that like they're the more talented team, uh, but apparently the Minnesota hype train is out of control and uh, you nailed this one right on. It's Packers minus one and a half. So good on you. Right on. Next, we have Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. Uh, this is going to be an interesting game because it's Mitch Trubisky. Um, it's Joe Burrow in his first game since the Super Bowl. What, what, what did you decide on this one? Yeah, this one, I, I think it could be closer because Pittsburgh just plays their division so well. I mean, that, that whole division seems to play the division very well. This is one of those ones where it's like if, if I'm betting on it, if someone says I'll give you a touchdown, to where I would have to really think twice because I think the Steelers' defense is good enough to keep it close. Uh, so that uh, kind of same thought process with the Chicago game. Like I'm like, Pitts or Cincinnati's better, but Pittsburgh, I th- I think they can keep it close. So I, I just went with a touchdown. So I did minus six and a half as kind of the the game spread. Yeah, I think I had a little bit too much of my personal bias in this one. I had a little bit of my personal pessimism about the Bengals falling to this one, and I was a little bit too hyped about that rest of the Steelers roster, Najee Harris, etc. 
Um, and I swear you're cheating because this one's Bengals six, my six and a half as well. So that's heck yeah, dude. That's, should, should I change jobs? That's the question. That's back to back dead on. Maybe you should set the lines. So uh, next matchup is my Lions against the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Detroit is at home. They actually sold out this game, which is really exciting. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Cheering for the Lions, expecting the Eagles to win, though. I, I think the the rushing attack of, of Philly is just going to be a lot to handle. You, you, I mean, I think it'll be exciting to see if Aiden Hutchinson really can make a difference for Detroit. I, I think a lot of fans, yourself included, weren't hyped on that pick. I, I don't know who you guys wanted instead, maybe Thibodeau, but um, I, I think it could be a good game. I just think the Eagles are a better team, so I went minus five and a half. Yeah, we don't need to belabor this one because we actually both chose Eagles minus five and a half. It's uh, Eagles minus four, so that's a draw, but... Yeah, I'm really hyped after watching all of Hard Knocks. Like, I don't like so it's, it's the, they got that Hard Knocks bump, so it's getting a little closer to the Lions than it should be. Yeah, like I don't like Dan Campbell, but I like the rest of our coaching staff plenty, and I think our roster is like pretty talented. Like, I feel like a lot I of mean, ho- like, home underdogs. I think you can just slam that. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. We'll see. Next is Baltimore at New York Jets. It's Joe Flacco revenge game. What are your thoughts? Uh, Joe Flacco is not good. This is just a match. One of those classic, one team is clearly better than the other. I even went minus seven and a half because I was like, this is one of those ones I could see people, even with getting a free touchdown, being like, screw it, Baltimore's winning this game. So, uh, yeah, it's, the Jets are going to have a rough first four weeks without uh, Wilson, and I think they're going to have a rough remaining 13 weeks even with him. Yeah, hey, this is your largest threat of the week. This is also my largest threat of the week. I don't see any way the Ravens lose this game, and I kind of figured that the odds makers felt the same way. Uh, I nailed this one exactly. It's Ravens minus seven. So. Oh man, I just I just like putting point five. I I, just, I feel like it's never an even number, so you got me just by having it being you know the even number there. Exactly. So it yours definitely still in the lead. It's a uh, four to two to one right now. So Jacksonville at Washington. What are your thoughts? We talked pretty pretty well about this game before. I think it's. You know, the the average fan might say, oh, this is a, is a non-game. I think as a, a better, it's like this is actually a pretty relevant game. I put minus two and a half because that makes it about dead even when you consider the, the whole home, you get three points regardless. So I was like, to me, this is kind of a, does a team win it on a last second field goal type game? Make it minus two and a half. Yeah, I hate you on this one. I put minus four and a half on the commanders, had a little too much faith. It's commanders minus two and a half, so. Dead on Heck again. yeah. Next is Cleveland at Carolina. Uh, this is going to be the Baker Mayfield show, in my opinion. I did Panthers minus three. What are you thinking? Yeah, so I know Cleveland does not have um, – I mean, they got Jacoby Brissett back there. I, I just think the talent aside from quarterback is clearly in favor of Cleveland in this matchup to where it's like it's going to be an ugly game, but I think it's a, a Cleveland should be favored. Uh, you know, very close, but – if you consider it's at Carolina, being a, a home dog is never a great thing. So I did Cleveland minus one and a half, which is, again, like we said, my, more like a four four or five point game. Yeah, so I kind of had the same thought with it being a pretty even matchup. And I figured give Panthers the three points. And I actually ended up being a little bit closer. It's Panthers, Panthers minus one and a half. So. Oh, so it is Panthers, though. Yeah, is that interesting? That's, that's surprising. I, they're really like, oh, my God. Baker made a T-shirt, guys. They are winning this game. They're buying into the narrative. I think it's also a little bit of McCaffrey bump being back as well. So we'll see. I, okay. That gets you a little bit. I mean, those two quarters of Kirsten McCaffrey are going to be exciting. Yeah. 
This one's a fairly obvious one as well on who's the favorite. It's Indianapolis at Houston. I figured the Colts are big favorites here. They're pretty big favorites to win the division as well. So I did Colts minus six and a half. What are your thoughts? Yeah, honestly, I think I should have bumped it more. This this feels like all the other ones where I said it's basically a touchdown game. I think just because it's a divisional game, I kept it closer. I feel like you're probably right. It's probably minus seven. Yeah, you should, but I did minus four and a half. You should have trust your gut. It's exactly Colts by seven. So don't call it a comeback. Yeah. But here we come. Uh, New York Giants at Tennessee Titans. This is a weird one. Uh, Titans being the favorites, I think give them a little bit of a bump. Um, Tannehill at least is stable. Um, we'll see what the receiving core ends up looking like. But I have Titans minus four. Yeah, I think the Titans are a better team, but like. I don't feel I just think the Giants offense is worse than the Titans offense. And then it's kind of a draw everywhere else. So to me, it was like the Titans just seem to be a better team. This feels like a field goal type game. So I just kind of kept it close. Yeah, we didn't do our picks together or anything like that. But I definitely prices right you a little bit. It's Titans minus five and a half. So I win that one. Okay, yeah, that's some BS right there. Got you I have a point. Okay, so this next one, I, I had it as a pretty close game. I had Chiefs minus two. I figured uh, the Chiefs are probably almost a touchdown favorite and give Arizona a handful of points. So, yeah, Arizona being the home team, Kansas City at Arizona. So I gave the Chiefs my suit. We already talked about this game a little bit. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what I was thinking. Now looking back, this should have been way closer. I don't know if I was thinking, oh, without Hopkins, maybe they're not excited. I'm guessing this is Kansas City minus three, but for some reason I did Kansas City minus six. Uh, you, you should trust what you did after the fact. It's Kansas City minus six. You nailed it exactly. Oh, okay. All right. Well, just looking at it, you know, I'm just like, this might be way wrong. I think a lot of people are pretty pessimistic about the Arizona season. There's been all that turmoil and kind of just like weird interfighting going on. And then also, like, Arizona's going to be on the end-season hard knocks, which is going to be an even bigger distraction okay. on a team that doesn't need more distractions. So Yeah, they, do, they don't need it. It's going to be Especially great. when COD comes out. Like, what, what will Kyler do? He'll have no time to study Hall. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's coming out, like, really soon, right? That's, like, next weekend or two weekends from now. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I'm not not positive. I'll trust your I'll trust your gut on that one. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm not a big Call of Duty gamer later any, anymore. I used to be, but not anymore. Okay, uh, Raiders at Chargers. We've talked about this game. I have Chargers minus five and a half. I think they're a more talented team, and they're at home. It just makes sense. I think Chargers are more talented, but as you highlighted, injury to J.C. Jackson, excuse me, a a rivalry-type matchup. I think it's closer. I think it's like three and a half. Yeah, you're definitely right. It's Chargers minus three. That's upsetting. I figure with it being an afternoon game, I don't know. So yeah, you know uh, it's, it's week one. These lines are all just so I feel like they're all close. They're, to, I mean, uh, to your point, nothing's been over seven points. Yeah, I think I tried to give too many points, a little bit too much of a spread. Uh, next is New Orleans at Atlanta. Falcons are the home team here. Um, it's Mariota's first game with the Falcons. What are your thoughts? This could be an ugly game. Jameis Winston back from an injury. Whole new look uh, Saints team without Sean Payton. Um, Atlanta. Mariota might be good. We don't really know. Like, I mean, he's he's shown some flashes, but he's also older, so he doesn't have that same mobility. Um, it could be exciting. It could be awful. I, I don't really know. It's, this is one of those ones you watch it on Monday, you know, Monday afternoon during work, and uh, just hope for the best. Yeah, I will definitely not be watching this game. Uh, there's been a lot of hype behind New Orleans, my, including myself. I think I picked them to win the division. 
Um, there's been some like national pundits picking them to win the entire NFC. So I did uh, Saints minus uh, four and a half, and the line is minus five and a half. So I win that one. Next, we have Tampa Bay at Dallas. We talked about this game. It's a Sunday night game. Should be a really exciting one. Uh, what would you go with? Yeah, this one's weird. So you have on one side, I think the Cowboys win this game. Uh, and then like adding to that, the Cowboys fan base is definitely the kind that hammers the Cowboys no matter what. But on the reverse of that is like the never bet against Tom Brady crowd. So it's like you have two really strong forces pushing against each other. So I did Dallas minus half a point, which is basically it's like a pick them mm-hmm. type type scenario. And to me, that's kind of this game's a toss up. I, I could be I could be easily persuaded to think either way on this game of like who's going to win just because um there's just a lot of unknown going on. And, and I think the, the only known is really just, it's going to be exciting offense all around. Yeah. I, I feel like we did a really good job of picking the favorites all throughout this entire thing. It's pretty easy. Like we know who's going to be most likely to win more games this year. There's not as much like weird injury stuff yet, but this is the first one we completely messed up on. It's bucks minus two and a half. I had Cowboys, which means I'm close. Yeah, Heck yeah. I had Cowboys minus two and a half. I figure with the home team, Jerry's world, like it's gotta be Cowboys and no, you're technically close. So we're both we both have only missed one favorite so far. Yeah, exactly. So definitely a weird one, but I get it, I suppose. And then we have the Monday night game. This year there's not two Monday night games like there usually is. There's only one Monday night game. It's Denver at Seattle. It's the Russell Wilson versus Drew Locke revenge game. So who'd you have? Yeah, Denver I think is just clearly a better team here. I don't know if Seattle's gonna score points at all. Like I mean, Denver's got a you know good enough secondary they have a great d-line their offense is going to score points their offense is going to be i mean i just really motivated to you know russell wants to show off say hey why didn't you pay me why didn't you listen to me like denver's already paying me and listening to me it it just has you know like true revenge game not the not the baker mayfield kind of revenge game like this is a true i think russ shows out and he's got way more weapons than geno smith does so uh yeah it's i think to me that's a clear there's a clear favorite I and mean, there's a clear favorite it's about a touchdown so minus six and a half yeah your cheating tour continues i had broncos minus four i gave seattle too much credit for they got that good home field advantage and everything uh i i i don't know why i did broncos minus four in hindsight like i definitely should have given a little bit more to denver they're clearly the more talented team and a lot of people are really pessimistic on the seahawks this year don't really blame them uh you nailed it Perfectly. Broncos my six. Home field advantage doesn't work when your home doesn't believe in the team on the field. So that I think that's kind of where it comes in. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker the third is like a good one-two match. I don't know. So our final tally, draw one, Mac six, Jimmy D nine. So congratulations, E1 week one. Um, we'll keep we'll keep tallies of this. We, we we'll probably do this again. It's a really fun, easy one just to preview the upcoming week. So uh, congratulations on your victory. I really appreciate it. You know, shout out to all my fans out there that that believed in me when when no one else did. So just you know, this, this one was for them. Doubters are in shambles for sure. So that's right. Haters are my motivators. So thank you so much for, uh, to everyone at home listening to this one. Football is back, so nothing more exciting than that. So the the summer long depression is over. Uh, the clouds are opening up, and uh, we're happy again. I cannot wait that NFL's yeah. back already. F5 season over, real season has begun. It's exciting. Exactly. No no longer just scouring the depth charts. We're going to actually be watching real, real sports. So um, yep. thank you again for everyone, to everyone for listening, and uh, we'll see you all next time. Okay? Bye, everybody.